Every year I know we gonna go hard We been that team ever since Bart Starr All my cheese heads go pack go Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no I ain't a bad sport and I'll even wish you good luck Only thing I will Good evening, welcome in to Lombardi's Legends Podcast I am Wags and joining me as always is Dane And we are recording here live on a Thursday night as usual, um, giving us a, a couple of days to absorb the news that the Packers have a new defensive coordinator in Jeff Halfley. So, Dane, we will get into all of that. But first of all, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Great, buddy. Uh, happy, uh, happy February 1st. Doing great. Happy to be, uh, back talking Packers. And uh, I think the theme of the offseason for this podcast is there is no offseason. Uh, we're, we're right back at it talking about the, uh, the Packers. A lot of movement already, some more movement potentially to come. Um, and it's just uh, eager to, to keep this train going. And just on the front end tonight, folks, we're already lining up some tons of special guests for the off season. We see a bunch of eyeballs on our live chat. So, um, just so you know, stick with Lombardi's Legends podcast because you're going to not want to miss some of the special guests we've got coming up in the next few months uh, during off season. But tonight, Wags, what are we talking about? What do you want to talk about? Because there's some big news out there. Yeah. Uh, well, it's definitely, let's talk a little bit about what Jeff Halfway can, can bring, uh, as a defensive coordinator, what we know about him and potentially how that could, uh, play into both scheme, uh, that Packers are going to be running as well as, as some of the personnel decisions they might be making in the offseason. So I know I said we were going to touch on Goody's press conferences and some of the, News coming, but uh, I, I say let's actually shift and let's let's start with uh, Coach Halfway. Uh, obviously, guy that's coming in with a, a ton of coaching experience, both in the NFL and at the college level. Uh, spent the last four years as a head coach at Boston College, so coming in with the head coaching experience, and and now uh, he's going to be able to just run the defensive side of the ball. Remains to be seen how involved Coach Lafleur will uh, be or have to be uh, on defense. I think it's his preference to have uh, Coach Halfway or whoever was going to run the defense be able to to to, to scheme up and, and come up with the game plan and, and really take ownership of the defensive side of football. Uh, and certainly getting a head coach uh, that has experience running the entire operation, I think, is, uh, is not a bad way to go with that. Um, but, Dane, again, not only experience at both the college and NFL level, but has had some really productive defensive units. Um, so, uh, you know, just going back before that, uh, defense coordinator at Ohio State uh, in 2019, before he took the head job at Boston College, uh, really turned around uh, a defense that had struggled the year prior to that and uh, had one of, if not the best defenses in the nation in this one year at Ohio State. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's had a lot of success as a defensive backs coach in the NFL, both in San Francisco before that in Cleveland. Um, and, and so this is a guy that's, uh, not only has experience, um, but has a lot of good experience and a lot of success at, at multiple different levels. Yeah. I honestly, like, so going into this, I am not going to pretend like I am the defensive coordinator expert and all the defensive coaches in the NFL and college football. That ain't me. Um, and, but that being said, real quickly you know, and not to yeah, interrupt you, but 
we were one of probably the few Packer podcasts that wasn't breathlessly speculating on every defensive coordinator interview that was reported. And and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I, I mean, it's not our thing. Um, and ultimately, it doesn't give us more credibility not to talk about that whole process. But at the end of the day, uh, it, it never seems to go the way everybody wants it to or expects it to. Um, and so it, it was interesting to see, you know, within five minutes online, we have fans that I want to uh, can the, the hire and are ready to fire halfway. And it's like somehow you could just never make everyone happy. Uh, let's, let's uh, get a better idea of who he is. Yes, he wasn't one of the interviews that was reported. Uh, but, um, I, I think it's just interesting. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but it was definitely goes along the, the thought process. I think you were mentioning. So I didn't mean to interrupt or put words in your mouth, but I, I just wanted to throw that out there as well. No, I mean, you're spot on in Wags. Even, well, let's go even further. For, for the last three years, people have been calling for Joe Barry's job. And, and, you know, to a certain degree, we agreed with some of that. Um, but I never heard anybody throwing out ideas. <laughs> you know, it's not like everybody had this laundry list in November when things were going sideways. It, it all seems to happen in the off season when the buzz starts. But I, I mean, I, I, I think that a lot of folks make up opinions on somebody, uh, in a week's time when their name gets floated. And they get set on somebody, and when it's not that person, oh, the Packers miss. The reality is, is we don't know, and I think the vast, vast majority of people that cover this team or any team or the NFL in general uh, don't know the ins and outs of all these uh, position coaches out there. But you know who I think has really good tabs on it is Matt LaFleur. And Matt LaFleur interviewed a ton of different dudes uh, for this job. It seems like he truly left no stone unturned as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they, they targeted a number of coaches. They went through the process, and 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 Jeff is their their guy. And Wags, um, I'll tell you what, when when the news dropped, our buddy Schmitty, I think it was Schmitty or Goppy, shared in our chat, "Oh, look, you know, this is the new D coordinator." What? And the first thing I think I said was, "Is this good?" <laughs> so I, I didn't know, but now that I've looked at, at, at Coach Halfley a little bit more, Wags, he's got a tremendous resume. Uh, he's got a mix of experience between college and the NFL, which I love, by the way. And and I, I really like that he's got head coaching experience and he's been working with young men. This is very likely going to be a fairly young defensive back unit that he's going to be working with. Um, he's had success as a defensive backs coach. Um, our pal Leroy Butler, who uh, is co-owner of Leap Vodka. Folks, go get your Leap Vodka, sponsor the podcast. Um, he he uh, He's said that... Uh, um, he always thinks that the defensive back coaches make really, really good defensive coordinators. I trust Leroy Butler's opinion on some of this stuff as well. So all that's to say, Wags, I'm very eager to see. I don't think anybody can, with a straight face, say they know uh, if, if Coach Athlete's going to be successful or not as a defensive coordinator in Green Bay. But I think there's indicators that some guys might be better off than others. And what I like about Coach Halfley on the front end, and before we talk about scheme and everything else, is that wherever he goes, he seems to grow and build things and have success along the way. doesn't always mean instant success, but it means he grows and builds um, position groups. He grows and builds relationships. A lot of guys speak highly of him. And not just, yeah, he's a nice guy or a great guy or somebody you want to quote-unquote play for. But further than that, it's about his mind for the game and his aggressiveness as a coach. And those are all things that really excite me. 
uh, with a Packers team that needs to land the right guy in this position group. So my initial impression, based on all of the, the hearsay after the hire, is I think this is the right direction, uh, at least um, from from a um, from the standpoint of a cultural standpoint in Green Bay that the Packers did. So I want to hear your take a little bit too, and I want to talk X's and O's a little bit about what we do know about Coach Halfley. But how are you feeling? What's your gut impression with Jeff right now coming into Green Bay? Yeah, um, well, my gut impression is it's a more positive feeling for me than right after we hired Coach Barry, uh, to be honest with you. I, 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 we don't know for sure if he was the guy or the first guy or the, you know, or the, the number one target for Coach LaFleur, but it seems like he was. Um, and, and maybe someone else was that got taken off the board. There was certainly, uh, some, some sheep, some cease shuffling, I should say, uh, around the league that, that could have impacted that. Um, and I know that's kind of goes into the, oh, the Packers missed their guy. They missed their opportunity. You have to hire someone immediately after you have the interview type mentality. Um, but it does seem like they did their homework to your point. And I, I think it, it, this strikes me as the guy that they wanted. And so that gives me a lot of confidence. That was not the case last time around. It does seem like this was a much stronger candidate pool, which we talked about going in, uh, than last time around when they ended up with Coach Barry. Uh, so from that perspective, I think you have to feel pretty good about that. Um, I, I think, you know, let's get into scheme a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I really like about what I'm learning, uh, about Coach Halfway is that he is not married to one specific scheme. Uh, he's, you know, run three, four. He's run four, three. He's run, uh, four, two, five. He runs a lot of base nickel, which is what Packers have done over the years anyway. Um, I also like from a scheme standpoint that he has, uh, some very core concepts for how he wants his units to play. Um, press man. Um, you know, so there's, there's going to be some, some different looks, and I think at the NFL level, there will be differences than what he was doing at the college level. So don't obsess over the details because college football is a little bit of a different animal than the NFL is, and I know Coach Halfway, of all people, will understand that. Uh, but I do like that he has some some core concepts for how he wants his units to play, and I, I think under Coach Barry, that wasn't something that we seemed to have. We didn't really have a core concept. We didn't have, you know, a, a specific style uh, of defense other than maybe, you know, a, a, a little bit uh, unaggressive, the opposite of aggressive uh, in terms of how they were scheming, not in terms of how the players were necessarily playing. Uh, but uh, I, I think that gives me a lot of confidence that uh, – not only does Coach Halfway have the ability to mix up his schemes to uh, certainly take advantage of whatever personnel or align to the personnel that Packers have, uh, but he also, I think, has the ability to make adjustments based on the opponent because he's not married to one style or one way of playing football on the defensive side. Uh, we'll see how that bears out, certainly, uh, once we get some results on the field. Uh, but that is something that definitely gives me a lot of confidence. And then, Dane, last thing I want to mention is I understand turnovers can ebb and flow in the NFL. 
uh, in terms of forcing turnovers on the defensive side of football. But I strongly believe that if you put your players in position more often mm-hmm. to force turnovers and you have a more aggressive scheme or tenor, that players respond to that. And mm-hmm. I truly believe that that can make a big difference in terms of what we can get and in, in creating turnovers on a uh, defensive side of football. Um, there's not a lot of defenses in the league that don't give up big plays every once right. in a while. I, I, I hate to say it, but that just kind of comes with playing defensive football in the NFL these days. But I'd rather, I, and I can't put it as, as eloquently as you put it in the past, Dane, but I, I would much rather, uh, you know, lose playing aggressively and, and trying to dictate terms. And if the other team makes some amazing plays over mm-hmm. the top and, and beats you, tip, tip your tip of the cap, uh, then just, slowly die and bleed out because you're you're playing soft coverages and defenses can march up and down the field on you and you just hope that you hold out uh, in the red zone. Um, that style has not been becoming, I think, of Green Bay Packers over the, the last six, seven, eight years. And uh, I don't think that's what we're going to have with Coach Halfley. So uh, excited for all of those schematic reasons. Also excited for just uh, logistical reasons uh, that went into how they did the coaching search, search itself. So, uh, Dane, I, I'm sure you have a lot more thoughts to add on to that. So I want to st- pause for a moment and let you jump in uh, and kind of play off of, of some of the thoughts that I may have had as well. Well, it's it's great. I mean, a tremendous insight, Wags. And, and I think you're spot on. Uh, with, with so much of this. And, um, one thing I just, I have to say now, I want to put it on the, I want to, I want to have receipts for later. <laughs> Cause, you know, I think that fans come September, uh, the sun, you know, the, the, the roses will wear off pretty quickly in the NFL. People get uh, impatient quickly. Um, just because you're aggressive doesn't mean it's a better defense than not aggressive. You still have to execute. You still have to make plays. And, and you said it, you know, like teams give up big plays. The Packers, very likely uh, uh, this year might give up some more big plays, but they also might force some more big plays too and have a more engaged defense. And I like that trade-off. So as you said, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's just, it's an, it's important to keep your foot on the gas, I think in the national football league. And I really, really like this because that does seem to be the scheme that coach Halfley has. Um, something that really sticks out to me um, is the fact that he plays a ton of one high safety, a ton of it. He, he's shown over and over again. Um, what that tells me, Wags, is the Packers need to go out and get safety. Um, and we're, we're going to have plenty of time in, to talk free agency in the draft and future, um, podcasts this offseason, but I don't think the Packers have the guy they're looking for for this defense on the roster currently, um, or, or that it was in Green Bay last year. And that's not a knock. On Rudy Ford, who I would love to see come back, or Jonathan Owens, who I would also love to see come back, uh, in, in different capacities. Um, but I just, I think that they need a guy who, um, dare I say like an Adrian Amos kind of guy in his prime, that's steady, a phenomenal communicator, uh, and, and that, that, you know, is rangy and versatile. And I know every team wants one of those, but in this defense, I think it's going to be extremely important to have somebody on the back end that they can really, really rely on every play or near every play. Um, so that's one thing. I also really, really, uh, am intrigued, uh, by, by the, the amount in college and even, um, going before Boston College when he was co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State legs, 
he is not afraid to call a man on third down uh, at all. Um, so Packers oftentimes were in zone on third down, and I think a lot of fans were pulling their hair out of their heads. Um, Halfley at a very, very high clip uh, over his tenure when he's calling plays on defense uh, has no issue at all uh, with with, uh, with having guys play man-to-man on third downs. And also, on top of all of that, Wags, I love his different concepts that he's come up with. I watched a little bit of video of defense and nerded out uh, late night uh, a couple times here since uh, Halfley's uh, hiring has been announced, and he is not afraid to bring pressure either. And that's something that um, we've talked about under Joe Barry. The Packers had a, a I think, a kind of a false narrative of a higher blitz rate than they actually had. You aptly pointed out in previous podcasts that while the Packers would blitz a guy, oftentimes they'd also drop somebody back. That's where a lot of these Preston Smith cornerback one means come from, right? Is that Preston might drop back, but they're blitzing somebody else. Um, under Coach Halfley, Weggs consistently, he's sending five, six guys in, in some of these schemes. And he's bringing the corners off the edge. He's bringing the nickel guy. Um, he's, he's finding ways to bring the safeties closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, he's just busy. And finally, something that excites me about him, inside linebackers, Wags, are active at attacking the quarterback. And we've seen, I think, over Quay Walker's first couple of years in Green Bay, when he's given the ability to rush the passer, he's been, I think, very, very effective uh, to the to, to such an extreme that there were times where I think we both scratched our head and were like, why are they not bringing Quay to try to get to the quarterback more often? Because he is very, very just naturally gifted, it seemed like, at finding a lane, getting through, and, and, and at least bringing pressure to the quarterback. So I would love to see Coach Halfley utilize Quay Walker, who I think um, was really, really good in year one, um, outside of some of the, the mental mistakes. Year two, a bit up and down, but I think really good overall. And I think that this is a year with this coach and in this defensive scheme, he could really ascend to that next level because the talent is there. And I think that this is going to be really, really good for his ability. So all that to say, Wags, um, we'll see what happens. But I love the aggressive nature. It's almost like he's the anti-Joe Barry in some respects uh, of his his strategy. He's a guy who likes to press. He's a guy who likes to get in the wide receiver's face. And he wants to make the quarterback make mistakes or at the very least make fast reads um, and make the quarterback beat you. And I like that. It excites me, especially with the guys we already have on defense in Green Bay. I think that this is a, a group that is up to the challenge. And I think there's probably been begging for more of this man-to-man defense um, over the last couple of years. So I'm excited to see how it shakes out. Yeah. And that halfway segues, I think, into... Goody's uh, press conference. Yeah. I'll kind of merge a, a couple of things on that, but um, because you're right, uh, there is going to be changes made to personnel, particularly in the secondary. And this is a guy that's made his name as a DB coach in, in this league. And so it's not like he's going to come in and say, I want this guy, this guy, this guy. But uh, I think he can lay out the blueprint, work with Coach LaFleur and, and, and Goody and the rest of the front office in terms of this is what we're looking for. And so it's almost a perfect time uh, and a perfect marriage for Coach Halfway to be coming in uh, in an off season where that's definitely going to be the focus in terms of the roster. Um, when you look at the guys up front, I, I, I do think that um, across the front seven, there's a lot of young talent. And so while they might tweak some things there, um, you, you know, we'll see exactly if that's just through the draft um, with a supplementing 
uh, some of the young talent they have or if they actually want to make any uh, moves on the fringes and free agency. But, I mean, you look at that defensive line. Uh, I don't really – I mean, that's as much talent as we've had um, in, in years. Uh, so there, that's a young group there that I think can continue to grow and develop. Um, but um, in the secondary, uh, certainly uh, we're expecting to see some changes made and uh, both in the draft and, I think, in free agency, Dane. So uh, that should be a whole other podcast, I think, for another week. Uh, we can do some homework on that as we get prepared for free agency and, and the draft. So, um, but uh, I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, Goody's, uh, postseason yeah. press conference. And he talked a little bit about Coach Hapley and some of the personnel. And he acknowledged too. Yeah. This back half of the secondary, uh, he feels like is going to need a little bit of work this offseason, uh, is one of the things that he mentioned. So, uh, not a big surprise there. Uh, we like some of the guys there, but, uh, minimally, we need to upgrade talent both on the front end and from a depth perspective. Um, so expect to see some action there. Uh, but I don't want to bury the lead press mm-hmm. conference. Um, to me, uh, the biggest thing was, uh, yes, Jordan Love, not a surprise, but they're planning on a long-term extension and they expect to start talks over the next couple of months. So Dane, Instant reaction to that, probably not a surprise, but um, what, what what were your thoughts when you saw that come across the headlines uh, from Rudy? Extremely pleased. Um, also extremely um, selfishly happy. My family for my birthday got me a signed Jordan Love jersey uh, that I'll be proudly hanging behind me in future podcasts. Um, as a wags, good bet by my family. Uh, figuring that Jordan is going to be in Green Bay for a while. But in all seriousness, it's the right thing to do. Um, they, they could play the game that some teams play where they, they play, you know, chicken for lack of a better term, uh, with their quarterback and they, they threaten, oh, we could franchise them next year and all that. They're not going to do that. The Packers already invested in Jordan, right? They invested a ton of years in him. Um, clearly Jordan performed well enough that he earned, I think, a contract. I don't see Jordan just magically falling off a ledge going into next year based on everything we saw with the throws and his 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 calm demeanor they weren't lucky throws this was a man that was processing the field extremely well and at a high level um so i'm i'm eager to see what deal they work out i think it's a fair uh, assessment it's a fair deal for the packers to do it i also think it's fair for jordan love right and and the packers i'm not saying they're getting a discount on jordan love but I do think that there's a lot of goodwill that's built in when you just say, you know what, this is our guy going forward. Let's build around him. I think it's good for the locker room. It's good for Jordan. So um, I'm excited, and he's going to get paid a ton. Wet. That let, let's be let's be totally real, folks. He's going to make a ton. The NFL, the quarterback is king. They make a ton of money. I don't have a number in mind, but do not be surprised if it's a massive number. And but you know what, I think he's going to be able to play right into that. And in what six months to a year. He might not be the top five guy. He might be a top 10 guy from a financial standpoint, just because that's how quickly things change in the league. But I'm excited about it. Um, I think it's the right thing to do, both business savvy, but also from a team culture standpoint, we earned it. Let's pay the guy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and yeah, we don't know what the ramifications will be to the cap, but that was one of the other things that Goody talked about is the Packers are, you know, in a much better position than they were the last couple of off seasons. Uh, they kicked the can, uh, on, uh, you know, restructuring contracts for a while. And so they, they haven't cleared all of the dead cap space, uh, that they've been carrying over, 
but um, they're also in a position, according to Goody, to to definitely attack free agency if there's a guy that they feel like they could bring in and can improve this team. Uh, he also mentioned, I think, a little bit offhand, which I thought was interesting, um, that with all of the day one, two, and three picks that they have, or day one and two picks, I should say, really, uh, that maybe they'd be willing to trade uh, uh, one or two of those picks for a, a veteran guy to bring in. So uh, I've, I've not heard Goody come right out and, and hint or say that in past off seasons. So I find that interesting. And Dane, I, I'd love to get your reaction on that. But to me, that signals they're looking to potentially invest more specifically on the defensive side of the ball and probably in the back half of the secondary, uh, but maybe even at corner uh, opposite uh, Jair. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how Packers want to attack things. Uh, but uh, certainly it sounds like uh, they will be not the most active in free agency, but certainly probably more active than they've been the last couple of years. How surprised were you that how, how the candor that Goody basically offered that up? Goody has been very, very well trained in talking to the media. He's done tons of training, I'm certain, uh, to, to be in this position. So what I mean by that is he's a guy who's measured. He doesn't just say things to say them off the cuff. So I think that this was an intentional decision for him to make mention of all that. It was almost like a offering it up to the fan base but also be saying, hey, we're open for business to the rest of the league. Um, so so I thought that that was really fascinating, Wags. Um, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I look at the defensive side, and I'm looking ahead to the draft as well. Um, safety is not a high, highly sought position group, uh, this, this draft, that's not as highly rated as in some past years. In fact, I was looking today after the Goody press conference and like, I don't know if anybody's rated in the top 40 to 50 even, um, just overall talent in the safety group. So what that tells me is bringing this defensive coordinator, if you're the Green Bay Packers, I don't think that they have time to develop a safety right now. Um, I think the window is open. It's very clear that all of a sudden the Packers went from a quote unquote rebuilding year to <laughs> eight months later. The window's open for another Super Bowl, and a Super Bowl are busting Green Bay yet again, title time USA. Um, so they need to go get their safety. So, Wags, I think that that means all hands on deck to try to find a guy that fits this defense that can kind of be the leader of that defense coming in and helping coach halfway out. So um, I was shocked. I was actually, I don't want to say shocked, but I was exceedingly surprised that Goody offered up that tidbit that, um, we, hey, we've got draft capital. We might go get a veteran yeah, and, and and if you think about it, though, we've got to spend money somewhere. Um, we've got a, all kinds of young talent on the offensive side of the ball. Yes, Jordan Love's going to get paid, but that's a quarterback getting paid, and that's just kind of baked into most teams' uh, you know bottom line. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, we've got guys over there that are getting paid: Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, uh, Preston makes a you know a little bit of coin, uh, obviously Ja, but at the same time, you know you. You've got to spend the money. And so, uh, to me, I think you're right on the head, Dane, uh, in that secondary group, whether it's cornerback, safety, uh, however they want to do it. I think they've got a little bit of flexibility to spend them, um, with the window that they have with young talent on the offense and, and across some of the uh, rest of the defensive line. It makes sense to me that that's kind of where they would invest right now. So, um, 
other things that came up. And, and uh, Terry, thanks for the question in our Facebook chat. I'm queuing this up on screen right now. He says, um, talking about the press conference, where do you think uh, they will do uh, uh, with Bach? Are they going to let him go? And, uh, yeah, that was one of the questions that came up. And Goody was asked about Bach, and he did not directly answer. Um, he was asked about Aaron Jones, and he says he's absolutely going to be back. Not a surprise there. Uh, Aaron Jones is under contract. Yes, he'll be 30 years old, but difference maker, heartbeat of this team, uh, and uh, no hesitation whatsoever. Was asked about Ja, um, and directly, uh, would he consider trading? And he directly says no, no, and there was no hesitation, uh, nothing about that. When asked about David Bakhtiari, there was a there was a lot of uh, you know, it was a uh, an answer. Uh, he didn't hesitate. He was very clear about his answer, uh, but he acknowledged David's got a lot of health issues, uh, so they're going to let go through that process, see how he's doing, and make a decision down the road. To me, Dane, reading through the lines, I don't know that David Bakhtiari uh, is definitely going to play football. Um, so I think retirement is on the table for David Bakhtiari, and that's that's one piece uh, that I'm picking up, and, and which is probably not terribly surprising after everything he's been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if David decided he wants to come back and play, then it becomes decision time. And that's what uh, I, I think he's referring to. Uh, listen, David's a heck of a player, but at this stage, I would not be surprised at all if he decides he wants to play, if the Packers look at it and say, you know what? We like what we've done, uh, with developing talent. We're probably going to, uh, draft a few more offensive linemen after not doing that last year to replenish and to continue developing talent behind, uh, the guys that they have. But I, I would not be surprised if that's signaling that David Bakhtiari is probably not going to come back as a Green Bay Packer. Um, that said, it's not easy to try to trade someone with his medical history and with his contract. So it it could be a situation where, you know, he just comes back if he wants to play um, and uh, the Packers kind of have to uh, manage that as best they can. Um, and, and listen, David's a heck of a player. I hope he can be healthy. And if he wants to come back and play football, um, I would welcome him back to the Packers. But at the same time, if there's a way to move on and, and get uh, additional capital uh whether trade or other uh players uh, in return um i think that that may make sense for where the packers are as an organization and as a team at this point in time so uh but that said dane i i, I welcome your thoughts on that and if you had a different perspective based on kind of how goody answered and, and what you think the packers might be doing with david bakhtiari moving forward yeah i mean I, I appreciate all of that. And let me preface this by saying David Bakhtiari is a great Green Bay Packer and Packer Hall of Famer down the road. Um, and it's absolutely like gut wrenching, right? When you, your career gets robbed of you by an injury, especially at the peak. I actually think Packers go to the Super Bowl if uh, a couple of years back, if he's able to, to stay healthy, uh, if, if that injury doesn't occur. So I, let me preface it all by saying that a ton of respect for Bakhtiari. I think it's time to move on. From David Bakhtiari, um, just from a football standpoint, um, I think Rasheed Walker played really good football, especially down the stretch. The last second half of the year, he just completely came into his own. Um, oddly enough, as, as you mentioned, um, 
he and Yash started um, sharing some snaps there, and and it really seemed to I don't know if it settled Sheet or what, but Sheet ended up having a tremendous um, second half of the year and played really really good football. I don't think it makes any football sense to to not have Rasheed Walker on the field next season. Uh, in fact, Goody was asked directly. You know, you talk about these direct uh, questions that came to Goody and how direct he was about everybody but Bakhtiari. Even with Rasheed Walker, did come up wags, I and mean, I'm glad that he I'm glad that, it, that he was asked this by journalists. But even that Goody said that she did a great job, and that he's a warrior fighting through injuries, and that he's a bright future. Thinks he can play on the right or the left side of the offensive line thinks there's going to be more competition. I mean, that to me is like very, very direct and glowing of Rasheed Walker. And why wouldn't it be right? He's a second year guy ascending upwards and he has, clearly has a very good rapport with Jordan Love as well. So all, all of that to say, I, I think Rasheed Walker should be the starting left tackle of the Green Bay Packers next year. Um, the Packers have done a really good job of adding depth at the offensive line in rounds four through seven. They, they just have a knack for hitting with their scouting department. I expect them to draft two or maybe even three offensive linemen. Heck, maybe four, right? <laughs> like they do, tackles and guards. Um, but all of that to say, um, that's added depth. And I really like the the front five that we were ending the season with, with Rasheed Walker, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, uh, Sean Ryan, I believe, will be the starting right guard, and Zach Tom at right tackle. Yeah, Zach Tom can play all over the place, but I think that we need to keep him one place to just allow for that. I want him. I don't want to be good at five things. I want to be great at one thing. I'd love to see Zach Tom be able to stick at right tackle. So all that's to say, Wags, I like the direction this offensive line is going. I'd like to add some depth via the draft. Um, but I just don't think David Bakhtiari at this point in his career, um, it, it can reliably play on the knee. And it's extremely unfortunate. I, I hate to say it, but I think it's accurate. And I just don't think that he's the right fit for this team going forward. Uh, I wish him the best and I want to see him, you know, retired as a Packer Hall of Famer. But from football sense, it doesn't make sense for him to return to that. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, Dane, I think we're getting some other questions in here that are very draft related, but, uh, just talking a little bit about where we see personnel going, um, in, in the off season. And, and yeah, it's, uh, even with Aaron Jones coming back, they'll have obviously a big decision to make at, at running back, uh, with AJ Dillon. Are they going to draft, uh, someone? Um, I, it looks like you were about to answer that question. So I'll let you jump in on that. And, and and do they want to supplement uh, other uh, uh, skill positions? Yeah, I'm not saying they won't bring anyone else in on the offensive side of the football, uh, particularly, I, I think, at running back. Uh, but uh, certainly they're in a great, great position with the guys that they have. They are. And I, I, I don't be surprised if A.J. Dillon's back. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, uh, don't be surprised at all. He played some good football near the end of the year. Actually, Wags, I really like the Packer running back room with Emmanuel Wilson and Patrick Taylor and AJ Dillon and, and Aaron Jones. But all that said, the Packers offense, when Aaron Jones is on the field and healthy, like just how electric are they? Right. So I just, it wouldn't be totally shocking if the Packers are sneaky. And, and take a, a running back higher than maybe people might expect them to take somebody. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I'm at because Jones, as good as he is, um, he is turning 30 and, you know, dealt with some injuries this year. And it just shows like when this Packers have a dynamic running back that, that is kind of a slasher the way Aaron Jones is. And folks, there's only one Aaron Jones, but you get what I'm saying. That skill set. Um, it makes the offense go from like a really like 
exceedingly talented to next level. So don't be surprised if the Packers invest early in a running back, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got two picks in the second round, two in the third round. Um, I think Packers clearly need to draft their running back of the future. And I like AJ Dillon too, but he was given a lot of opportunities this year to be the main guy, uh, with the number of games that Aaron Jones missed and he did fine. Uh, but I don't think, uh, he's someone that Packers are going to want to be building around as a primary running back moving forward. So, um, maybe he's back still, uh, could still be back in some capacity to your point. Uh, but I would uh, I certainly expect Packers to invest in, a, a, another young running back that they project as someone to develop into that potential bell cow running back down the road. Yeah. Wags and, and folks, we're going to talk a ton about the draft in future pods. Um, but, um, I guess you got to say, like, how unique of a situation is it for the Packers that they hit on so many offensive weapons <laughs> this la- and over the last two years, really? It just shows how important drafting well is and how rare it is, especially last year's draft, how deep it is. But even the draft before, when you start talking about the Sean Ryans of the world, the Rasheed Walkers of the world, and guys that are, you know, Sean was an earlier one. Sheed was a six-round guy. Um, but all the wide receivers and the running backs and the tight ends and all across the board, all of a sudden I look at it and I'm like, okay, let's invest in defense again this year and try to find some of that youthful talent like we have on the offensive side to complement the offense. So it's just, it's, it's an exciting proposition that is extremely rare, I think, in this modern NFL. Yeah. Um, and regardless, we like all those guys, but we can bring in more talent to raise the level of competition and made the best man win um, at that point. So, um, but you're, we're, we're, we're picking from a position of luxury either way. So it's a good, good position to be in. Dane, any last thoughts or just looking through the chat? We've got lots of nice questions coming in here. Uh, anything else uh, that you want to queue up or highlight before, as we close things out here tonight? Uh, yeah. I want to ask you a question going back to coach Halfley and the hire. Um, too soon to tell all the ins and outs of what this is, but are there one or two guys currently on this Packers defense that you think could potentially benefit the most from this hire? Because it is such a change, uh, in, um, in defensive strategy and how he, um, I, we perceive how he's going to attack uh, opposing offenses. Yeah, that's a great question, Dane. Um, gut instinct. Maybe a guy like Isaiah McDuffie, who had a breakout year, his final year in BC with Coach Halfley's first year there. Um, coincidence, I don't know, but certainly there's a connection there. And I, I think it's a pretty good possibility that Devondre Campbell is not a Green Bay Packer, um, next season. So does that mean that McDuffie is going to be one of the starting linebackers? I don't know. We'll see, but mm-hmm. I think he'll certainly be in contention. Um, and so he's someone that let's keep an eye on. I, I thought he played pretty well in his first extended action and opportunity on the defensive side of the ball this year. And he's only another one of those young guys that is possibly going to have a chance to ascend. Uh, so that could be a, a connection that, uh, extends into next season. Uh, and honestly, uh, Jair Alexander and not just mm-hmm. because. You know, you sit there and say press man, and I, I don't know that that's a hundred percent Jair's strengths. What I do know is that Jair is someone that did not jive with Coach Barry's uh, philosophies in terms of the defensive scheme, and 
I have a hard time thinking that he won't uh, really respond very well to the scheme and the fact that Coach Halfway has had so much success coaching DBs in this league. And so I think it's just, for me, it's a potential bought-in Jair Alexander as much as anything else, um, whether it fits perfectly from a scheme standpoint, whether he gets to operate and and, and play how he wants to, line up against uh, the opposing team's number one receiver uh, every week, etc. All of those things that might be on uh, the whiteboard uh, of Jair Alexander. Uh, but uh, for me, if, if this is a guy that there's uh, going to be some synergy from in terms of what that scheme looks like and his ability to come back and be bought in and be a true leader uh, for the guys mm. in, in that locker room on the defensive side of football in that secondary group that could be a little bit revamped going into next year. Um, if we get that from Jair Alexander and he can bounce back and elevate his play to the level it was a couple of years ago, um, I think that could be a, a significant development. And so, honestly, Ja, I still have a lot of belief in in terms of the talent. Um, I know there's questions in terms of health and availability, and that's certainly legitimate. Um, has he slipped off a little bit? Uh, but it starts with being bought in. And I truly hope that if, if for that reason alone, uh, that that could bring the best out of, uh, Jair Alexander next year as well. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I, I, I'll add his, his, uh, mate on the other side. I think Harrington Valentine can thrive on this, in this kind of defense. He's, he's long and rangy and he's just, he's an in your face kind of corner. And I just, he seems like the kind of guy, much like Jair from a mentality standpoint that feeds off of competition. He wants to get aggressive at the line of scrimmage. You know, you know who, you know who he reminds me of a little bit, actually. He reminds me, um, I shouldn't say it. I don't want to, I don't want to put the, Al Harris. He reminds me oh. of Al Harris a little bit. He's kind of got an Al Harris vibe. He plays a lot like Al Harris. So he's kind of got that thing about him. And, and I mean that in the best possible way. So I think that Valentine could be good. And then, um, two other guys that really come to mind for me are, are off the edge and it's going to be Rashawn Gary. And I think it's really going to be Lucas Van Ness. Um, these are two guys that are versatile dudes. They can play in a three, four. They can play in a four, three. They can, they can play indoor football if you ask them to. They're just football players. Um, but I think a little bit more hand in their dirt, particularly for Lucas Van Ness could be a lot of fun for his development. I think that he's really good. Um, off the snap with his hand in the dirt. So I want to see what they can do with him. And, and something tells me, Wags, um, that Coach Halfley is going to find creative ways to scheme both Rashawn Gary and Lucas Van Ness um, to, to, you know, get off the edge or stunt inside and get to the quarterback a little bit more often. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited about the marriage that we're about to see on both ends between those two edge rushers. Yeah, I think those are really nice call-outs as well. Um, Dane, we could probably go through this whole defense and, uh, <laughs> Honestly, that just makes me more confident that we may have the right guy. Uh, we'll see again. Uh, we'll see down the road, uh, once we actually get out there on the football field in the fall. But, um, there seems to be a lot of ways that we can call up exactly why Coach Halfway can be a fit and, and to bring out the best in a lot of guys uh, that are on the defensive side of the roster and, and probably, uh, uh, several that are not even on the team at this point in time that may be 
over the next couple of months. So, Dane, I think that's great. And so, folks, thanks so much for jumping on and joining us here for an off-season pod. As always, uh, we love you joining, and we appreciate you. Um, be legendary, and go Pack Go! go. Pack, go. Every year I know we gonna go hard We been that team ever since Bart Star. All my cheese heads go pack go Ain't show with no mercy cutting no slack no I ain't a bad sport and I'll even wish you good luck Only thing I will say